Welcome into the ninth episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight on March 14th, 2018, welcoming listeners to the ninth episode of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. I have the pleasure to be here tonight once again, welcoming back guest co-hosts Brian Farlow and Alex Donar. Welcome back to the show, guys. Nice to be back. Hey, Will. <laughs> hey, Dad. We're going to touch on various key subjects, starting with the Illinois State men's and women's basketball teams. We are going to recap their end results in both the Arch Madness Tournament two weeks ago in St. Louis and the women's tournament that was Hoops in the Heartland this past weekend in Moline, Illinois. We are also going to answer the various questions from those tournaments. The Redbirds falling to the Loyola Ramblers in the Arch Madness title game. What does this leave fans expect from this team next season? On the women's side, the Illinois State women's team fell to number three UNI last Friday in round one of Hoops in the Heartland. How does it show this team's growth and uh, show a bright future? The new league year in the NFL has just begun this afternoon, and the Chicago Bears have signed many new players to improve this team. How do these acquisitions make this team closer to a contender? How do the moves by Ryan Pace in free agency impact who the Bears pick at number 8 overall in the upcoming draft? The Chicago White Sox have seen growth this spring through their young talent. What does this say about their upcoming 2018 season? The Chicago Cubs pitching acquisitions have paid off thus far in this spring. How does this positively impact the Northsiders during the 2018 season moving forward? The show will close with the original fun segment, Will's Sports Movie 1. So, gentlemen, we're going to go into the men's side first of Illinois State Batons basketball. They had a tough loss in the Missouri Valley Conference Championship again this year, but it was to number one Loyola. Now, Loyola came in really good this season. You know, they were talking a lot about that Florida matchup is a very pivotal thing to help them get in the tournament. But they lost Sunday, March 4th, Illinois State to Loyola. Illinois State was in the tournament as a third seed, and they lost 65-49. to The Redbirds finished their 2017-2018 season with a record overall of 18-15 and on the year, but a, a pretty good conference record, I think, of 10-8. and So we're going to go right into it. Brian, I'm going to start with you first. So what are your thoughts after the Redbird lost to Loyola, and what can we look forward to seeing from this team next season? Because I know you had some interesting points about that game. Well, Loyola was the better team going into the game, and they proved that they were the better team, despite the, the fact that ISU made a run. Loyola is known for their three-point shooting, and ISU didn't have uh, an answer to defend that. So uh, that's pretty much why they uh, beat ISU. As far as ISU in the future, they're young, but what they need is a leader. Uh, they had Paris Lee last year. He was the leader of the team. He was the heart of the team. And that's the other thing the team needs is a little heart. They seem a little reckless, sloppy sometimes, sloppy turnovers, and uh, they kind of lose their cool. So they need a leader and that provides leadership and also heart. Couldn't agree more there, Brian. Dan Moeller, in his time at Illinois State as a player and a coach, we talked a lot about on this show. He's tried to bring as much leadership to this team as possible. They're gonna, they're continuing to find new identity. So that's gonna go into my question with Mr. Alex here. Mm -hmm. So Alex, how does this Redbird team continue to grow in the offseason and continue its success next season? Well, yeah, like you said, they, yeah, leadership. Look for a better leader. Uh, you can get a couple new recruits coming in this year. Also, I think it's good, though, for the Missouri Valley. Four schools were in the Final Four for the semis and championship, so it looks good uh, for all the Illinois schools in Missouri Valley, and it's good for the conference. But, yeah, just you got to continue to build it. Young guys got to get better and build the team, and I think they'll be good next year. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you guys. Now, there's a few interesting points. I know you guys didn't have the pleasure I did to be in St. Louis that weekend. It was a wonderful thing as a fan to just sit in that student section and enjoy that experience at the whole weekend. So mm -hmm. something interesting, and I told my dad about this, but Alex, we're going to address it here so you are a little more educated on Southern Illinois' team this year. Okay. Guess what NBA greats nephew played against Illinois State in that loss that Southern Illinois took? Last name Pippen. The nephew of Scottie Pippen, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I, and he wears 33, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a right. very interesting player, but it was sad to see him foul out, you know, because it was that point in the game where he just played really well. And a lot of interesting things going into this men's basketball team. And I had a chance to run into a few of the players after the games, you know, William Tinsley, Elijah Clarence, and just I, I just told them how well they did this year because you could tell how much of an importance it was to Dan Moore to keep things going. I mean, they gave him a seven-year extension, so obviously – the school board, Larry Lyons, they see something with this team still, even with those guys gone from last year. Like Brian was touching on Pearsley, Tony Wills, those key contributors. But I feel like Keyshawn Evans, Phil Fain can try and continue that leadership next year. They, they need to stay more healthy. I think that's going to be my final take going into next year. Dan Muller, had a, we had a, him on the last episode as a guest appearance. And one of the things he talked to me about was he has two big recruits coming. One of them is going to be 6'9", about Phil Fain tight. The other one he said is going to really improve their outside shooting, inside shooting, just shooting and rebounding overall. Each player will bring their own tangible. So I trust Dan Miller in this team, but I just want to see more from their guards off the bench. Manson Williams, Elijah Clarence didn't play much in the tourney, so we'll see what he can do. Berninga continue to grow, but we got a lot more to look forward to with that next season. As we mentioned, Illinois State fell to Loyola last weekend. Loyola will be in the NCAA tournament that starts tomorrow. Very exciting for the state of Illinois and the Loyola Ramblers. Credit to Coach Porter Morris, so we congratulate them on Will Smith Court Special, the Ramblers for getting into the tournament. The Redbirds finished 18-15 and 15 on the year, MVC record 10-8. and 8. Now going to the women's side, gentlemen, they just touched briefly on it for the listeners here. The IC Redbirds were in as a sixth seed. They found the most victories since the 2012-2013 season under new head coach Kristen Gillespie. They fell to the UNI Panthers 57-36 in round one. And under new head coach Kristen Gillespie, the Redbirds finished the 2017-2018 season with an overall record of 14-16 on the year and in conference play finishing 8-10. So just a lot of interesting things with this team. I mean, we've talked a lot about it on this show throughout their season as well as the men's team and just seeing how this team has grown together. I mean, they have a lot of newcomers a lot of veterans matching together like we see on the men's team at Illinois State. And it's just really interesting to see what the new head coach was able to do. I mean, she came from Division Two. Fans were a little skeptical of what she'd be able to do, but she had a really good resume going into it. And just getting a chance to work alongside that team, they've done really well. I cannot wait to see how this team continues to grow. So, Alex, you get to cover this topic with me tonight on the women's side first. So, they finished the season, as we mentioned, with the most regular season victory since the 2012-2013 season, where I believe they had 25 wins that year. Don't know who the coach was that year, but how can this be a positive sign for a rebuilding college basketball team? I know you have quite a bit of knowledge on college basketball, so give us your take on that. Yeah, like you said, they're a young team, but they finished with the most regular season since 2012-2013, so keep building wins, putting string wins together, and they should be all right in the next couple of years. Keep getting older, building the team. Yeah, they should be good. And I know you, this is something I'm going to tie in with you as well. You wanted me to mention a little bit of U of I basketball and uh, where their programs are at. So just when you see a real big college basketball team, and I'm just going to connect this with a probing question mm -hmm. here to what I asked you there. What would you look for as a fan? Say you're a fan of Illinois State. You, you like what the team did this year, but you're looking forward to even more. You could tell their energies there. 
and you're an excited fan. What would you like to tell the fans at Illinois State they can hopefully expect this women's team to continue to re- in just, the rebuild? What do you want them to do? Just keep believing in the program. Believing in the players that are there, the coaches, the system. Just keep believing in the program, supporting the team, and they'll get better. As Alex did say, trust the process. The Illinois State women's basketball team will continue to do so. Now I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Brian Farrell. So, Brian, when a team finds bright spots with a new head coach and younger team, they had a lot of bright spots this year. Paige Taylor, the freshman point guard, Ryan Livingston. So how can fans look forward to where this rubber team continues to go in the next few years? Well, true fans will uh, follow them and keep the faith. It seems like the new coach is uh, working hard and staying positive, and she's doing what a good coach should do. Coach the young kids into using the, by teaching them the skills of fundamentals and uh, not turning the ball over, good defense, and working the plays so that uh, they can get the baskets to win. So it's a first step. It's her first year. There's some uh, probably good recruits coming since uh, she's a good coach. Yeah, now that you mention that, they have multiple, I believe I heard from the SID, I'm, I'm not going to quote her specifically, but several like McDonald's top-level recruits from what I've heard. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. So that, that helps. Uh, and uh, that should help the team. They need good talent, but they also have a good coach, and they have a good start, and Paige Saylor, she's a good uh, catalyst to build the team around. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there, Brian. I'm going to branch with you and Alex here on this. As a fan, seeing some of those games, there was a matchup where we were down by at least 10 to 20 points. I believe it was against Drake, who was the top team. They actually, we're going to mention on the show here, we want to congratulate the Drake Bulldogs in the Women's Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. They ended up beating you and I, who the Redbirds fell to in that tournament. So that was really impressive to see. But I think with this team, what I want to see is there was a lot of good bench players. I'm going to name a few here on the top of my head. A.J. Simmons, Zakia Beckles, Amari Allen was pretty well featured last year under uh, the last year of Bar- Coach Barb Smith, and uh, Morgan Van Hefty. You put some of those with Paige Saylor, some of the players that are still there currently, you know, Katrina Beck from Whitney Young will still be there. Up the list, guys. I think there's a lot of good presence for this team, and I know my fa- – I'm going to quote my faculty advisor, Steve Cease. In the next few years, Redbird women's basketball will be back to where it was before its greatness. So we look forward to what we can see from those two teams – in Illinois State basketball moving forward. Now we're going to be one of the topic everybody's waiting to hear about this month. It is March Madness, and I know Alex over here is getting really giddy and excited. Oh, yeah. It is the NCAA tournament beginning tomorrow, and the usual surprise teams get their chances this year against the higher-ranked teams such as Arizona, Michigan State. They get their chance to battle against those type teams for glory to try to become this year's top college basketball team. And I see Alex has his bracket ready, so we might be using that during the show here just to go about it the way a fan would, reading off the list and everything. So, Brian, you get the first question on the tournament. <laughs> we're going to start with you, and we're going to ask you what you're expecting to see this year in the NCAA tournament. You know, there's a lot of expect the unexpected situations, Cinderella teams, upsets. What are you expecting, in your opinion? Well, in the past, you have teams that have big people, like Purdue, and then you have teams that uh, – have three-point shooters, kind of like uh, Loyola. So it's a matter of the guards show up, and usually the teams that do really well have good uh, a good front court. But you never know. A team like Purdue can dominate the boards, can dominate the inside, and if a team has a poor shooting night, uh, they have a good chance of winning. So it's a matter of uh, balance. It's a matter of uh, which team 
can get hot on what night against what team. And uh, you never know. A Cinderella story could show up, like Loyola or like a Ivy League school. All the yeah. Ivy League schools. Gotta love those guys. So that, that's that's what I'm looking at. And I, I'm glad Brian mentioned that, Alex. I'm sure you can agree on this. One of the most impressive players in uh, college front courts this season has to be DeAndre Ayton. And I think another one is Jaron Jackson Jr., just off the top of my head there. And Brian, I'm glad you mentioned that for the listeners there. There's a lot of front court presence Bagley. this year. In the Marvin Bagley. I like that. There you go. Thank you, Alex. Marvin Bagley the third with Duke. And now I'm going to go to Alex. You know, you're a very big expert on uh, brackets. I know you're on your own bracket pool during the years and everything like that. So I'm looking forward to doing yours this year as well, just to give uh, the listeners a little preview there. I will be in a few brackets this year myself. So, Alex, we're going to get down to it here. The Loyola Ramblers are the sole Illinois team in the tournament. Last year, that was Northwestern. Northwestern did quite well under Chris Collins. Very impressive. Yeah. They have Porter Moser for Loyola. He's mm-hmm. an impressive coach. And just watching that team, they have a young center. I, I think it's Crutwig. Yes, his last name is Crutwig. Glad I remember that, Crutwig. And their front court, their back court's pretty impressive as well. The three-point shooting, as Brian mentioned, is a very big key in these tournaments. Just getting those key shots and everything. So, while we have the bracket out here, what are your expectations for Loyola and any other team in the upcoming tournament right now? Yeah, so uh, so for Loyola, a lot of a lot of team or a lot of uh, bracket experts and guys picking brackets uh, across the country, they all love Loyola over Miami in that 11-6 upset. That's a that's a popular pick. I think if they get through Miami, looking at Tennessee or Wright State, uh, Tennessee Tennessee's tough. Because they're playing, they played in the SEC and they uh, made it to the SEC championship game. Had a tough game against Kentucky, but they're they're hot right now. They have Muhammad Bamba as well, if I'm correct, right? With uh, uh, or I'm Texas. thinking Texas. Yeah, Sorry, Texas and Tennessee. Okay, that's another that's another team to watch. But I, I think if Loyola, if they can get through Miami, I don't think they're going to get past Tennessee. It's kind of unfortunate, though, that Loyola is the only team from the state of Illinois in it. Hopefully that'll change. Yeah, I couldn't years. agree more. And I can but, see your final four. Yeah. You have a lot of interesting ones there. I don't want to spoil it for anybody else in your bracket here, but could you name one of your final four picks on the air here with us tonight? So I Okay, so out of my final four, I can go with two locks and two teams that I could see not making it. The two locks are Arizona and Michigan State. Ooh, I like popular. that. I think they're popular picks. They're good teams. Michigan State probably has the hardest region. They have Kansas in there, Duke. Even Rhode Island is a team to watch. And then Arizona, if they can get through Virginia, it's pretty much a walk to the Final Four for them. Uh, and the other two in the East and the West, Xavier is in my Final Four and Purdue's in my Final Four. Xavier is a team that's they've they've they're out they're a one seed obviously they're a good team but there's a, there's there's some upsets that can happen in that region. There's not a there's not a great team. There's a lot of good teams but there's not a great team. Michigan is a popular pick. A lot of people are saying for the Final Four, but I got Xavier. And then Purdue, uh, I have them beating Villanova in the Elite Eight. And Ooh, that's a shocking one. Yeah, I think a lot of people have Villanova in the Final Four, but so. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the tournament and I'm just looking at your bracket right here. I'm going to make a few picks of my own cuz I'm still putting mine together and so it's a lot of thought process to put in. Yeah. Exactly. So, of the teams I like, now, I saw, I, was, I think it was in my apartment last semester, my first year on the campus of ISU as a transfer, and I saw, you know, when you have TV antenna channels, you only have a few options, mm-hmm. and I saw a Villanova game, but after, they had the head coach of Villanova, I can't remember, I think something right. Uh, Jay Wright. Jay Wright, thank you. Yeah, I, I remember him because they talked about his 500th victory, and 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, that was the first time besides seeing a Michigan State game, like on TV or watching a game like that with you earlier this year, that I had a bit of knowledge about another college team besides Illinois State. It got me a little bit more out of my realm. And I think Villanova, there's a player they've had the Bulls getting in the mock drafts that has really interested me, Michael Bridges. I think he's a really yeah. good shooter. It goes with what Brian was just talking about a little bit ago. Three-point shooting be a key. Villanova has a very solid front court, and they've had a lot of good players going to the NBA, especially one I think is going to do really well at the Lakers long-term, Mr. Josh Hart. I like his shooting ability and his presence on that Laker bench. uh, Jalen Brunson, too, is their guard. He's a local kid from Stevenson. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So as we talked about here, guys, get your brackets ready. First round begins March 15th and 16th, all the way up to San Antonio, April 2nd, the national championship on TBS. Will we know who's in the final two? We won't know just yet. Any team can have their chance, and as they say in the classic Hunger Games movie, may the odds be ever in their team's favors. NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. Now going into the professional segment, we're going to start with the bread and butter of all Chicago media talk this week, and especially the last few days. It's the Chicago Bears in the NFL offseason. Free agency frenzy has begun. Twitter's going rampant. NFL Network, the radio stations have more to talk about with football now after the season and the Super Bowl. The Bears are making moves. I'm going to quote one of my – it was interesting here, guys. One of my directors at WZND developed this saying. They're making moves. And I'm going to use it with the Bears here. And we're going to recap with the fans here a little bit on some of the deals, just even if the listeners haven't heard them yet. We're going to educate them here. Former Jaguars wide receiver Allen Robinson, who was sought out by the 49ers and the Chicago Bears, decided to come to Chicago and has signed a three-year, $42 million deal. That has officially been confirmed as the deals could not go through until 4 p.m. this evening, so just a few hours ago. Wide receiver Taylor Gabriel is also coming to the Chicago Bears on a four-year, $26 million deal. He was featured in the Super Bowl Falcons roster solid offense two years ago. The Bears bring cornerback Prince Amukamara back, who was recently on a one-year deal last year. He gets a three-year, $27 million deal that comes along with Sam Acho on that Bears defense. And another standout signing for the Bears, Trey Burton of the Eagles, the Super Bowl team that just won, signs a three-year deal. And quarterback Chase Daniel, the mentor, Mitch Trubisky, two years, $10 million, guys. So a lot of interesting players. Now, free agency's not done yet. It's only been a few days, but it, they call it free agent frenzy for a reason. It goes quick. Ryan Pace is making moves, trying to get the Bears in the right state of mind, obviously trying to help Mitch Trubisky out a little more on the offense. So, Brian, we're going to start with you. What positive impact do these signings by GM Ryan Pace, how does this put the Bears in terms of their goals to becoming a contender? Well, they have a lot of needs, and free agency is kind of like a, crapshoot where you don't know if they're going to pan out or not and Ryan Pace Pace's history with free agency isn't very good but it looks on paper pretty good uh looks like the uh acquisition of Allen Robinson if he's healthy as a uh, key it all depends on how well they fit into the scheme uh, we still don't know how this new coach is going to do. We don't know about his scheme. We see where he comes from. Kansas City, and evidently they did pretty well with his uh, type of system. So uh, just a waiting game. It'll probably take a year, just like it uh, did this year, to see how the free agents did last year. And obviously there were some busts. But it's high hopes, and uh, they are wheeling and dealing, and we'll just see. Couldn't agree more there, Brian. A lot of important moves for the Bears, still more that needs to be done, I personally believe, and I'm sure you guys can probably agree with me from what you're hearing out there as well. The O-line could use a few more moves. A player I've read about this afternoon, while 
preparing for the show tonight. I think Justin Pugh, spelled P-U-G-H, very interesting pronunciation. He's an O-lineman that is available. He was forming with the Giants. So I think he would fit really well, they were saying, with Kyle Long. I think I found that really interesting. There's a lot of defensive moves. I hear the Bears are looking. Morgan Burnett and Eric Reed, who has a good connection with Vic Fangio. I love the Fangio connection there. And Alex, this ties right into what I was thinking about as well. Any free agent signs with a team will impact how they draft. It might not impact it. It might improve where they want to get a player in the draft. But the Bears are sitting at number eight overall. They had number three last year. They obviously did a little better this year. But it gets them a good top 10 pick. They have a lot of needs up the line. So just give us your idea of how these signings impact who Ryan Pace picks at number eight. Yeah, um, I think great free agent signings so far. I think this pretty much says either at eight, I think they're going to go defense. And if they do, they need an edge rusher still. And if they don't go defense, and maybe they trade down into the draft and maybe trade pick eight and get another pick in the later round, third or fourth round, make up for the pick they lost last year uh, with Trubisky. But yeah, I think if you draft number eight, you got to get you got to get defensive player. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And this is going to go into what I'm going to ask each of you at this point. What free agent signing thus far has made the biggest impact, in your opinion, to the Bears? In terms of what they had looking forward, going to the draft and everything, what they have as a team moving forward, a positive impact. And which remaining free agent would you like the Bears to target? I know Alex was talking about some of their needs. So we're going to start with Alex here. Name us your favorite free agent out of the, the list that of uh, players that have come so far that's going to make the biggest impact. And which remaining free agent you want to come to Chicago? I think biggest impact signing is uh, definitely Allen Robinson, if he's healthy. Coming off his ACL injury. Um, you put him on the outside with uh, Cam Meredith, who hopefully comes back healthy. And then you got Taylor Gabriel and Kendall Wright if they keep him around. I think Allen Robinson is definitely the biggest signing, and they needed him too. As far as which remaining free agent the Bears should target, they need a safe, maybe a safety, another corner. If somebody tries to sign Cal Fuller, I don't know. But yeah, definitely defensive back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Alex. And as Alex mentioned, Kyle Fuller, he is on an interesting tag. Not the classic Kirk Cousins tag here, guys, but he is on a transition tag, which, if I'm correct from the details I read about it, that means the Bears have the right to match an offer that yeah. another team gives. And he, Kyle Fuller is the best cornerback available right now. And yeah. it'll be really interesting to see. And we're going to go to Brian next. So, Brian, name us the player you feel out of that list will have the biggest impact for the Bears. And which remaining free agent they should target during free agency? Well, uh, I believe uh, the wide receiver, Allen Robinson, also, to agree with Alex. But I also think that uh, Chase Daniel is a big signing because he knows the system and he will be a off-the-field teacher to help uh, Trubisky with the system and to coach him along. And if something happens to Trubisky... This guy knows the system and can step right in and uh, not miss a beat. Um, as far as free agents that they're looking at, I think they need a edge rusher. I don't know if they're going to pick one up. They may wait for the draft. They already picked up a kicker, so that's important. I don't think they're going to do too much more. I think they're going to maybe pick up a player here or there that's not as big named, uh, maybe for the special teams or a backup, but uh, I think they're going to wait for the draft and then uh, hopefully fulfill some of their holes that way. Yeah, I'm going to mention on side note as well, Brian, you were mentioning about how Ryan Pace has seen some hits and misses, especially some misses last season with some of the players that, as we've now heard this afternoon, a recent report stating 
the players known as Marcus Cooper, Mike Glennon, who's now with the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal as their backup, and a few other players, including Marcus Wheaton, create $38 million open for the Chicago Bears in their cabin. So another, that even after these free agents, guys, they have already a big cap, and we at Will's fifth quarter special, we will keep you up to date during NFL offseason through Chicago Bears. Whether it be the draft or free agency, we'll have you covered every step of the way, so keep tuning in on that topic as well. We're going into the baseball now, guys. I know we're all looking forward to the baseball season coming up this spring and moving forward. Spring training's here still, but we're looking forward to the big show and the big time. But, Alex, we're going to start with the White Sox. I know you like the Cubs, but that's coming up next. So the White Sox, that's Brian, we're going to – no, it's not favoritism. This <laughs> sure Chicago is. baseball. We'll, we'll, we'll argue about this after the as show, Hawk, guys. As Hawk would say, it's okay to be a homer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as Brian mentioned, inside look with Hawk Carrollson and A.J. Przinski. Check out NB. C-Sports, Chicago. So, Alex, we're going to come back to them. Don't worry, we'll come to the Cubs next. So, with the White Sox, Brian, they lost to the Milwaukee Brewers today, 11-3. Carson Fulmer, you know, we're wondering whether he's going to be bullpen rotation, but he started today. He's a good starter, but he just took a really tough hit. You know, it's spring training, so anything could happen. And my first question to you is, the White Sox have prospects that continue to grow on spring training. Would be Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Gio has been a big name. What can this say about the future of the team this coming year? Well, it's a growing year. I think their expectations of uh, winning this year are on the back burner. They're pretty much just looking to continue with the progress of the prospects, bring them up when it looks like uh, they're ready. I think the season, you know, they're they're gonna they try hard. Rick Renteria doesn't really preach. Let's lose so he can get a better draft choice. He preaches play hard every play, and I think they're buying into it. I think prospects will come up when they're ready. We still have a lot of veterans on the team that I'm sure uh, midseason they'll probably uh, trade off to a desperate team, maybe even a desperate team on the north side who's already 20 <laughs> games below 500. But um, and they need a, another pitcher um, or a reliever. But anyways, um, so it's going to be a tough year, but as fans uh, from the south side have been used to, you just support your team no matter what. Uh, through thick or thin, you don't whine like some other teams do. And uh, just wait it out, and the future looks good as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Brian, that, that starts to answer my second question a little bit, but I'm still going to share it with you here. So... Spring training, and I'm sure Alex can agree with me, it, it worked out for the Cubs. They had a lot of really good talent that was developed, and over time, you know, as you were mentioning, it's going to take time, especially this year with some of the top prospects still. They want to take time to develop them, basically, and there's been a lot of improvements. So, Brian, what do you think the focus of improvement in the remainder of spring training should be for the young Southsiders? I'm going to call them that now. We're going to call the Sox the young Southsiders <coughs> now. Well, some of them have already been sent down to the minors, so the, the remaining uh, – players i think one of the keys this year will be to see the uh, progression of uh, lopez now the lopez and unfortunately cease is in the minor leagues dylan cease yeah really dylan cease, a gift from the northsiders thank you very much as well as you won the match yes but i think mankato is going to be a key mankato mankato or whatever <laughs> anyways uh i think he's gonna see i think Sooner or later, he's going to be the leader of the team. Abreu is going to be with the team for as long as they can keep him, but I believe you know he was one of the first of the young ones up, of the young prospects up, so I believe he's going to eventually be the leader of the team. 
but as far as the rest of the year, I think they'll probably start bringing the prospects up mid-year after they probably trade off, um, you know, some of the other pieces. And uh, we'll just go from there. It's just a wait and see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brian. And an interesting thing <laughs> there, I believe I could not agree with you more about Moncada. I believe him and my personal White's, favorite White Sox player, Mr. Tim Anderson, I believe him and Moncada are going to have a impressive up-the-middle feature and an interesting Press conference mention I heard from Mr. Rick Renteria. I want to share it with both of you because, Alex, I know you're a big Eloy fan before you was traded to our side of the tracks. Thank God for that. But uh-huh. um, You guys could use the help. <laughs> so, Rick, well, we could definitely use the help with this uh, mention in this press conference. I think you guys will really enjoy that. Rick Renteria, in a recent interview, uh, they were talking about Eloy Jimenez's growth the last few days. You know, he had that really interesting home run against his former team, the Cubs. That was pretty cool to see. And he compared Eloy Jimenez to Ken Griffey Jr. That's a really big prediction, but I think it, it, it's really good. I mean, it, they, they said a lot with the White Sox, credit to, you know, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, and, you know, the, the, the broadcast TV and radio team of the White Sox. Ricky's boys don't quit. I'm going to quote them there, give them the credit where it's due there. Ricky's boys do not quit. Eloy, Robert, uh, of course, we... Hope Jake Burry's injury comes uh, to fruition at the end. He recovers and just a lot of key pieces. So I thought that was a very interesting stat we had to share with the listeners here and you guys this evening. So the White Sox, they have an upcoming split squad game against the Los Angeles Angels. So they have a date set to face Shehei Otani, newly acquired foreign player. Excuse me, watch, Albert the, la- watch the language there, Will. <laughs> And I'm really interested to see what they are going to be doing. That will be an 8 p.m. and 6 p.m. tip-off in those two games. Now we're going into the team Alex has been waiting for. You can tell their listeners Alex is really encouraged to talk about this with me tonight. So it will be interesting. The Chicago Cubs, they also lost today. But to the Kansas City Royals, <coughs> in, a tight, in a tight 7 <laughs> To six matchup. The Cubs lose to the Royals seven to six today. They are, if I'm correct, Alex. They have 12 wins still in spring training this year. Very impressive for a still young Cubs team. So something I'm sure you're really excited for, Alex, is the pitching improvements. And we're just gonna relay to the listeners here. If you don't know, they added a lot of pitchers. You Darvish was a big one, but also their bullpen as well. Cishik. Brandon Morrow, a lot of put pieces up the line, uh, Tom Chatwood, etc. So, Alex, I know you're really excited about that. And I wanted to touch on this with you first because I know it's a really big point to Cubs fans and those that follow the Chicago Cubs. How does the pitching success in spring training that those pitchers are seeing and the ones that are continuing to grow show a better chance for the Cubs in 2018? Yeah. Well, first, wins and losses, don't, to me, don't matter in spring training. It's, at least for the Cubs right now, it's all about staying healthy. Hopefully there's no injuries. Because unlike that team on the south side, our, cha- our championship team's already built and ready to go. This is their window. Win now and celebrate later. But pitching success, yeah. So you Darvish, he's played well. He's pitched well. Uh, he was sick for a little bit in spring training, but I saw that he made a start the other day. Pitched, I think, two innings or so. Yeah, it looked like um, really good innings, too. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to do well. They did lose Jake Arrieta, which was the workhorse of the team. Go Phillies for, for Jake. But, yeah, so the starters, it's going to be key for them if they can go a little bit longer than last year. 
uh, deeper into games, especially with this revamped bullpen. Brandon Morrow, I think, is going to get the closer duties right away. Maybe C.J. Edwards will get a look here and there. But, yeah, they're ready to win now. And as far as the infield goes, I don't know if they got one too many guys. Like Ian Happ. Ian Happ yeah, I heard he's making some noise down there in Mesa, it seems like. Yeah, he's playing really well, but they don't they don't have a spot for him. He's going to he's gonna have to battle with Schwarber. <laughs> battle with Schwarber. So maybe a leadoff role. I, I don't know. So hopefully everybody gets to play a little bit. Sounds like a little uh, Russian roulette in the Cubs infield and outfield there, it sounds like, Alex. And I think it's going to be really interesting. It is, but it's a, I think it's a good problem to have. I hope the, so- the so- it looks like the Sox on the south side also had that problem as well. In a few years, a lot of teams are rebuilding right now, modeling it off the Cubs. A lot of credit to Theo Epstein and his team, Jed Warrior, and those guys putting it together. And, you know, the, the team success is shown. So it's just helping the uh, Major League Baseball a lot, setting that tone. So, Alex, we have another question for you. What key player for the Cubs needs to improve this spring for this team's future success? Because with every team in Major League Baseball, there's always that one player any fan wants to see improve and be a key for that team's future success. So which one would you like to pick for us from that list of Cubs players? I think Schorber. A lot in the offseason was made about um, he lost some weight, got slimmed down a little bit, ready to step into that leadoff role. So I think he's the biggest guy uh, that the Cubs need to do well. In order to start the season off on the right foot, definitely looking for that. Looking yeah, forward to that. I couldn't agree more, Alex. And I think the Chicago Cubs—they have a bright future still. You know, uh, I'm not gonna be—I'm not gonna agree too much with my coast here. I will a little bit, but I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible to the both of you. I think as a baseball fan, it's interesting to see what the Cubs are doing. You know, those fans wanted it; they still want it. You could tell that heart and energy, and I still see that in the South Side as well. Any team in baseball has that, no matter if you're the Padres. The Indians or the Yankees, and the Yankees, you know, judging, you know, Stanton. But my point I want to make off what you were saying, a lot of great points there, a lot of great points from Brian. Any team in baseball can do it. You know, I, I think that's what I love about baseball so much. You can do it. Any team can do it. You know, anything could happen. Like we were just talking about the NCAA, expect the unexpected. And the Cubs will hopefully expect something good coming off the 7-6 loss today. The Royals, they face the Arizona Diamondbacks tomorrow. That is a 3-0-5 tip-off. Then they head to the south side, but of the south side of Arizona, that is, they will be heading to Glendale to face, and I know Brian's really excited about that, it'll be a 3.05 tip-off against the Chicago White Sox, so that'll be really interesting to see. Now we're going into Will's sports movie moment, the one fans always wait for at the end of the show. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself and my two guest hosts, as well as the listeners at home, a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can now hop on the podcast Facebook and Twitter page and post their own favorite sports movie moment, as well as their opinion of real life sports signings, issues, and situations as they follow. I will start, and then Brian, you will follow, and we're going to end with Mr. Donner here tonight. He gets the best for last spot. So my movie's going to go with baseball. It's going to go with The Sandlot, and I know that's a movie all three of us really enjoy watching as kids and still as adults, and it's a beginning part. You know, it's almost like a bit of a montage, but it's it, it, it's Scott Smalls. You know, like we were just talking about baseball, and it could happen, teams growing. Scott Smalls has no baseball experience going to this movie. You know, he's a kid that's coming to a new town, trying to make friends, like we all do sometimes. You know, you're in a new place, you got to make new friends, develop a culture for yourself as a kid and he learns from Benny the Jet Rodriguez how to play baseball you know he's made fun of a bit by that team but 
The scene that I really liked is Benny going to help him. You know, one of the top guys, kind of like your Aaron Judge, going to help the lower player on the team in spring training or something. And, you know, he, he goes up to him and he just says, you can do it. You know, he's really confident in the kid, almost like mentoring him. And he ends up becoming a really good baseball player. He becomes broadcaster for them. And I, I, that's going to be my moment. I mean, it, I've been wanting to share this one for a while. Wait until spring training to share that one with the, the listeners at home and you guys tonight. So pleasure to say that will be my sports movie moment. Now, Brian, what do you have for us tonight? Well, uh, mine is a baseball movie also. And uh, it is a comedy. Uh, it was actually a movie that I took my wife to go see. I believe it was our third date. Uh, Major League. There's a lot of famous people in there. Charlie Sheen's as crazy as always, playing wild thing. You know the if you don't know the storyline, a bunch of rejects are hired to help the team lose, so the team's owner can move them to Florida, I believe. Uh, but they come together, they realize their strengths, and they eventually uh, make it. Spoiler alert: make it into the playoffs. And uh, along the way, there's a lot of good storylines. It's funny, and but bottom line is the moral of the story, even though it is a comedy, each player has their own strengths. And the manager, even though he's like a minor league manager, which is probably a blessing because he knows how to handle different characters and different personalities and help them win and learn, learn to win. They each find their own talent and their own niche in the team. And I, I know it's kind of like a underlying story because it's comedy, but uh, it, it helps them win. Each player plays to their own strength, and when they play together as a team, as a team sport should, uh, they eventually win. Yeah, I think that's a really good movie. I personally have seen parts of that movie myself, and there's good sequels to it. So fans, you heard here first from myself and Brian Farrell. There's a lot of good baseball movies for you to check out this season, Sandlot Major League. So. Alex, no, that's have, it, right? We're no, done. no, we have Alex. Oh, we got Brian, Alex. Hope, oh, hope. sorry. Okay. Sorry, sorry Alex. <laughs> sorry, listeners. It's a little tight here. These guys yeah. have been looking yeah. forward to coming out tonight, so it's a little bit rowdy tonight. So, Brian, settle down over there. We, we have Alex's turn next. Alex so. was sleeping there, so we had to wake him up. Wow. Okay. He was dreaming of that U of I NCAA championship. Oh. Well, you guys, can, you listeners can see it firsthand here. Even on our show, there's a lot of... Just rowdiness, you know, like you guys as sports fans. So you Brian, saw a little bit of that first. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, Alex, settle down there. So, Alex, what is your sports movie moment? Hopefully you didn't give your moment away uh, there, but what is it? No, um, in honor of the March Madness starting, uh, my favorite mo- movie moment is uh, Space Jam. Ooh, <laughs> I love that one. Why don't you fill us in a little more right, here? So, yeah, everybody's seen Space Jam. Everybody knows this. I movie. hope so. Yeah. Um, this also ties into so the Academy Awards and Oscars were a couple weeks ago. And I saw that Kobe Bryant won an award, and I saw a funny meme on the internet that was like, "How how come Jordan never won an Oscar for de- defeating the monster, but Kobe wins one?" So it was just it was funny. Um, and then also Space Jam um, related March Madness, but I also saw another preview for uh, Uncle Drew movie that's coming out. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. why don't you fill so, us in a little bit on so that? That's, I think it's a knockoff of Space Jam, but with Kyrie Irving as Uncle Drew and uh, Reggie Miller's in, another a couple other athletes. So yeah, hopefully Charles Barkley goes with Reggie because I know that that broadcast team you see and everything like that. So yeah. Alex, I think that's a really interesting point. You know, with the NCAA coming up, I love how you related that with the tournament. 
So I think that's a really good one. That is all the time we have in episode nine. No. Will's fifth quarter special. Yes, that's I'm it? sorry. Really? That's that's all we have. I left. want to talk about the Cubs. Well, we're gonna to have to wait till next time, Brian. Oh yeah, I'm that's all the excitement. I'll hold my breath. <laughs> Tune in next time as we will have guest host Mike Mara. He will join us to help touch on the start of the regular season for the ISU baseball and softball teams, along with updated spring training coverage of the Cubs and White Sox. More on the Chicago Bears and Bulls, all Chicago sports and national, and more, followed by Will's Sports Movie Moment. Reach out to us on the Will's Fifth Quarter Special Facebook page and our website, contact me page, williamdfarlow.com, as well as our Snapchat, willfarlow44, and our Twitter page, williamdfarlow. I want to thank our guest co-hosts, Brian Farlow and Alex Dolnar, for coming once again on the show. It was a pleasure to talk sports with you guys and joining me for our fun amount of time tonight talking sports so thank you guys all right thanks for you're welcome well even though alex was with us it was a pleasure (laughs) Uh, i'm just kidding alex i love you alex (laughs) when the fourth quarter buzzer sounds turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk i'm your host will farlow my guest co-host brian farlow and alex dolan saying so long from will's fifth quarter special